Good Morning Nancy is a horror movie podcast, and it may not be for all audiences. This episode contains sensitive material on depression, drug abuse, sexual abuse and assault, and extreme violence. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie. And I'm Abby. And if you're new to the show, welcome. This is season four, episode three, and we're so excited for you to join us. Gracie and I have been friends since forever, and we love talking about our favorite horror movies together and with you. All while drinking a nice cup of coffee. Today we'll be discussing the 2013 supernatural horror film, Evil Dead. It was written and directed by Fede Alvarez, and it stars Jane Levy, Shiloh Fernandez, Lou Taylor Pucci, Jessica Lucas, and Elizabeth Blackmore. The film is based on Sam Raimi's 1981 film, The Evil Dead. We're not shy about spoilers, so if you haven't seen this film, we highly suggest that you pause this recording and watch the movie first. This one's also a soft reboot slash remake, so we suggest you watch the original film as well. Still here? Okay, let's get this morning started. So Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, who were the original director and star of the first Evil Dead, and High School Buddies, which was kind of fun. Yeah had planned a remake for years, but in 2009, Bruce Campbell stated the proposed remake was, quote, going nowhere, unquote, and had fizzled due to extremely negative fan reaction. Oh, dear. However, in April of 2011, Bruce Campbell stated in an Ask Me Anything interview, we're remaking Evil Dead. The script is awesome. The remake's gonna kick some ass. You have my word. Evil Dead director and writer Fede Alvarez and his co-writer Rodo Sayagas, did I say that right? It looks right. Okay. (laughs) Penned the script early on, but asked writer Diablo Cody of Jennifer's Body and Juno fame to doctor the script a bit and Americanize it since English isn't their first language. Wow. Alvarez, who has a background in CGI, also confirmed in an interview that the film does not employ CGI except for a few touch-ups. Yes. Yeah. He said, quote, we didn't do any CGI in the movie. Everything that you see is real, which was really demanding. (laughs) This was a very long shoot, 70 days of shooting at night. There's a reason people use CGI. It's cheaper and it's faster. I hate that. We researched a lot of magic tricks and illusion tricks. So there was much debate during production on whether or not this film was going to be a sequel or a remake or whatever. Alvarez stated a few months before its release, quote, Now, the way I personally like to see Evil Dead 2013, it's that it's a story that takes place 30 years after the Evil Dead ended. The car is still there. The cabin is there. A family bought it and did some work on it more than 20 years ago. And the book found its way back into the cabin. But the problem with the sequel theory would be that there are too many coincidences between the events of The Evil Dead and the ones on Evil Dead to have happened on a continuous storyline. Then it could be a sequel, 
He goes, I do believe in coincidences. Hmm. I think it's sort of up to the viewer whether or not they want to see this as a reboot, a remake, or a sequel. Yeah. Fede Alvarez tweeted on January 28th, 2013, that the film received an NC-17 rating, which prompted cuts in order to obtain the obligated R rating. Whoa. The film grossed $25.8 million in its opening weekend, finishing first at the box office. It went on to gross $54.2 million domestically and $43.3 million internationally for a worldwide take of $97.5 million against its mere $17 million budget. Amazing. It was a box office success. That's so awesome. Yes. Reviews from audiences and critics alike were mostly positive, but there were many diehard Evil Dead fans who weren't keen on the remake. Rotten Tomatoes' consensus is, quote, It may lack the absurd humor that underlined the original, but the new look Evil Dead compensates with brutal terror, gory scares, and gleefully bloody violence. So Chris Tilly of IGN gave Evil Dead a 9 out of 10 review and called the movie a, quote, terrifying, exhilarating, and relentlessly entertaining new chapter in the Evil Dead story. So with that said, Abby, could you please remind us all of the plot? Sure. Mia, our main character, has been battling an addiction with heroin for quite some time, and in order to rid herself of her drug habit, she embarks on a camping trip to a secluded cabin with her brother David, his girlfriend Natalie, and two of their closest friends, Eric and Olivia. It becomes apparent quickly that there are sinister forces lurking in the woods surrounding the cabin and the, in the cabin itself, and one of Mia's friends, Eric, summons an ancient demon via the Necronomicon, or Naturum de Monto, or the Book of the Dead. This literally unleashes hell on earth, and though Mia tries to warn them all of the impending doom, no one believes her because they all think that she's just going through drug withdrawals. But the sinister entities make their presence clear as each of the youngsters are killed by demonic forces until Mia and her brother are the only ones left alive. The film closes with Mia and her brother coming to grips with the events that have just transpired and forgiving each other for the things that happened in the past, and Mia's brother sacrifices himself in order to defeat the evil dead and let her live a new life. Thank you, Abby, so much for that wonderful plot summary. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so the Bechtel test. Yes, it does pass the Bechtel test. Yeah. There's a scene between Olivia who is a registered nurse, and mm. Mia, who is our final girl, where they talk about wanting to leave, and, you know, Mia, who's going through withdrawal, so they talk about that. It's a little short, but it does happen. And there's also a scene where possessed Mia and Natalie, who is her brother's girlfriend, are talking on the stairs to the basement about Natalie's stinking <laughs> soul. Yes. Okay, so let's check Nancy's dream team test. Was the supporting cast at least 50% women? Yes, it was more than that. Yes. Yeah. Did a woman write, direct, or produce the film? Technically, yes. Diablo Cody has an uncredited writing uh, credit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> an uncredited credit. <laughs> was the final girl a person of color? No. Were there any openly LGBTQ characters in the film? No. Hmm. Okay, so we cannot deny that this film is a remake or a reboot or whatever. <laughs> 
someone told me the other day that like I screwed up the meaning behind the two. I don't care. I'm just so over it. <laughs> Wait, so, so what is the difference? So a remake is making something again or differently. Like, but that's what a isn't a reboot and then a reboot an update so making it again <laughs> or differently so then a reboot is to restart or revive it's the same thing <laughs> okay you're fine <laughs> so this is a reboot remake whatever mm. so let's go over just a few of the homages to the original evil dead films that are in this one mm-hmm so the abomination drawing in the Necronomicon is similar to the original Evil Dead poster. Yes. It's a girl sort of reaching really high out of the ground. Okay, so the sound bites. This part was my favorite. I loved all the different yes. sound bites. Me There's too. a lot of sounds from the original film, which are ugh, it's so great. So you hear Cheryl speak at one point. She says, one by one, we'll all take you yes. or something. So good. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that's so good. And then you actually hear Scotty's voice as well. He says, we're going to bury her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that's sort of like not really a flashback, but whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> then and then the you hear Professor Noby's voice as the recording that you hear in the original film that they all listen to mm-hmm. and you hear that during the the scroll credits like the very end credits yes okay so the necklace also appears on the ground in the shape of a skull in both films i didn't notice that until the very last time i watched this before we recorded i was like holy crap that's so cool that is really cool yeah so what i have a question about that though mm-hmm. how did that necklace come back she ripped it up didn't she um i think david like puts it back together do we see that um he's shown like picking it up off the floor and like putting the beads back on so i'm assuming that he like puts it back together when the camera is not looking and then okay she i don't know if she finds it like in her room or if david actually gives it back to her i can't remember it was on the ground. Mm-hmm. She well, she g- grabs it um, in one scene and then runs outside, and like everything happens. So oh, I think she right. drops it on the ground and then finds it later. Okay, yeah. Well, I was really <laughs> confused. I thought this necklace was just torn apart. What happened? It's magical, Gracie. Okay, fine. You're right. It is magic. <laughs> believe in magic or i'll kill you there's like demons and abominations and you're like but the necklace (laughs) i have another thing that i i noticed that i was like what the heck okay (sighs) so another thing that is very similar is that mia wears a michigan state sweatshirt which is where sam raimi the director of the original evil dead went to college and linda also wears a sweatshirt in the evil dead Mm -hmm. The shot where David is burying his sister Mia is similar to when Ash is burying Shelly. Mm-hmm. It's like the same shot. And Sam Raimi's old Delta 88, which appears in almost all of his films. And Mia cuts off her arm and uses a chainsaw to kill the abomination similar to Ash in The Evil Dead 2. Yes. I have another thing that I want to say. 
that I noticed that yes. I was really confused about. Yes. And maybe, I don't know, we'll find out, but maybe we can talk about it. So the brother, she, okay, so Mia asked David, don't leave me, cross your heart, you won't leave me. He crosses his lung. He doesn't cross his heart. I'm trying to think of how he's sitting. He, okay. You're right. He does. He does. He, he, he does uses this. his, does he, he use his left hand? He uses his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, David, do you not know where your heart is? I was like, what human above the age of 12 doesn't know where their heart is? One of your BFFs is an RN. <laughs> like, you should know this. What the even heck, David? But and then I thought, was that, did that? Was that something that they intended? Was that like a little hint? Because he does leave. He dies. So he didn't cross his heart. So he didn't promise. And he left her. Oh. So he sacrificed himself. (laughs) He didn't leave? Well, I guess. No, he sacrificed himself. But like he didn't. I don't know. I I was just like, why? I was trying to find a reason why he could have. Do you think it's like weird editing? Maybe reversed? it was yeah. Maybe it was like filmed mm. the right way, and they flipped it somehow. No, because but even still... if you did flip it, you would be like, "He's crossing his heart the wrong way." If that Listen, was even possible, someone freaking figure this out and let us know. He crossed his lung. <laughs> Cross my lung, hope to die. Maybe it's a new millennial thing. No, this came out in 2013. Fine, this is Fine. too old to be. Th- <laughs> I tried. All right. I tried. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. So David's an idiot. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Hey, horror fiends. It's Mike from the Horror Junkies podcast, a weekly podcast that discusses all things horror and gets weird while doing it. I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Patrick, George, and Dylan. So join us every Thursday as we dive into the darkness. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. And make sure you follow us on social media to get constant updates by searching at HorrorJunkiesFL. So, turn your lights down low, your headphones up, and stay weird. So there is no Ash character. According to the YouTube channel Stitched Together Picks, in their review of Evil Dead, the filmmakers all agreed that no one could play Ash but Bruce Campbell. Truth. And that it would be unfair to put an actor under that kind of pressure. For a while, we think that David is the main character because he's the one in the blue shirt. Mm-hmm. And Ash always wears a blue shirt in the Evil Dead. Yep. As Stitched Together Picks points out... It's actually Mia's story. Mm -hmm. So not only is she the new hero of this story, but besides her gender, her character also brings a serious plot point to the story that had never been explored before. Yes. So Josh Millison's Dread Central article titled Fide Alvarez, Evil Dead and the Horrors of Addiction covers this new addition to the franchise really well. So guys, please check out this article. We're going to be talking a little bit about it, but we won't be doing it as much justice. Like, Mm -hmm. read the whole article. It's amazing. Josh Millison says, Alvarez stayed extremely true to the spirit of the original Evil Dead, 
creating an intensely visceral experience that was utterly horrifying to behold. But he also included a bold innovation, one that served as both a plot motivator and a brilliant metaphor for a modern social scourge. If the title of this article didn't already give it away, I'm talking about addiction. Yes. So, Abby, let's talk about that. Yes. I do want to point out that Abby and I are not psychologists. We're not psychiatrists. We're not psychotherapists. We don't have any sort of uh, medical degree in any of this. We, The only thing that we really know about drug abuse is through family and friends that we know who have gone through things like this and through the research that we've done for this episode. Mm -hmm. This is not an outlet to seek any help. Uh, We have information on where you can get help if you or a loved one is struggling. And those uh, resources are in the show notes. So please check those out if you or a loved one is struggling. This is just something that we did some research for. For this episode, we are not professionals. Correct. With that said... Yeah. Addiction and mental health. Abby, what do you have to say about it? So 2013, I feel like was kind of an interesting time. Well, 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. I remember in high school, this really being a topic that everybody was talking about and really addiction started to kind of make waves again, especially where I went to school. When I had graduated from high school, um, there was kind of a huge heroin outbreak was happening um, in the county where we lived and where we grew up and stuff like that. So it was kind of on everybody's lips and it was really in the forefront politically and when it came to mental health and just health in general. So seeing it in a horror film like Evil Dead, which had taken a complete classic and just like made it super, super modern was kind of refreshing. It was completely upsetting. And I think it really opened the eyes of a lot of people on like what addiction is and how much of a toll it can take on a family and how it kind of like ruins the relationships of people who are close to you. So I loved that the film approached those topics in such a way that was truly horrifying because it takes the horrors of addiction and makes it super tangible and like really visual and visceral and I loved that so I thought that was super interesting for the time that it came out. Yeah, well, and according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, in the late 1990s, pharmaceutical companies reassured the medical community that patients would not become addicted to prescription opioid pain relievers, (laughs) which eventually turned into a widespread diversion and misuse of these medications Mm -hmm. before it became clear that these medications could indeed be highly addictive. And some of these opioids were heroin yeah basically the same thing well because they were prescribing yeah right it's easier to get on the streets and you don't obviously you don't need a prescription for it you can find a drug dealer and be like hey i'm dying i need this so that my heart doesn't explode exactly yeah (laughs) and like to connect that to what was happening in 2012 2013 in 2013 an estimated 2.8 million persons aged 12 and older used an illicit drug for the first time within the past 12 months Mm -hmm. now that could also mean marijuana so that doesn't necessarily mean it was just hard drugs like heroin 
But in 2013, there were 169,000 persons aged 12 or older who used heroin for the first time. That's nuts. By the time 2012 hit, it could have been anywhere between 361,000 to 467. And then in 2013, it finally, they figured out it was uh, 517,000 people. Insane. 12 and older had used, 12 and older, 12, freaking 12 years old had used heroin. Yeah. Let's talk about the horrors of substance abuse and rehab and how that reflects the horrors of what's happening in this film. (sighs) Yeah. So I can assume that addiction due to trauma could also start out like any other horror movie starts. Mm -hmm. Like according to recovery.org, you don't wake up one day and say, I'm going to be an addict today. Yeah. (laughs) Like people who have gone through trauma just want safety and control back in their life. So they might go into that haunted woods or that house and they think that they're safe and in control, but really they're just leading themselves into a darker place with, you know, drugs being that haunted woods. Yeah. And obviously Mia has gone through a lot. She watched her mother suffer at the end of her life and then finally die she witnessed the whole thing so I'm sure that you know she was looking for relief in any outlet that she could absolutely yeah like the abandonment of her brother probably Mm -hmm. led to her downfall and the in the hands of drug addiction and you know as we see all the time in horror one bad circumstance usually leads to a trickle-down effect yeah and like the fact that she had to take care of her mentally ill and dying mother actually also reminded me of Eleanor in The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. And that doesn't have to yep. do anything with drug addiction, but Eleanor is so mentally unstable and throughout that whole film and she's so unsure and, and you know, she feels like she's having visions and stuff. It's sort of like... Well, it's exhausting. And yeah. when it's when it doesn't happen suddenly, when death is kind of drawn out and it's this whole long process it's kind of like you start grieving before the person is actually gone Mm -hmm. so I mean yeah it's stressful and I can't even imagine how horrible she must have felt throughout that entire circumstance it's nuts Robert Melvin of Dread Central said, one of the truths horror excels at outing is addiction. It's part of the human condition. It's so common and it touches nearly all of us in some way. And either through personal struggles or through family or friends. And perhaps the addiction theme runs a little deeper than at first glance. Like possession, after all, is the perfect metaphor for addiction. It changes behavior, makes people do appalling things they'd never otherwise consider, and generally makes one a prisoner of his or her own body. Yeah, for sure. So that is what this person is going through. In relation to why she could have been that way, John Millison says, quote, if you've ever watched shows like intervention or Dr. Phil, you've probably heard the term, quote, unquote, dual diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It reflects a change in treatment addiction where drug use is regarded as a symptom of a larger problem. Think of it as a curtain that hides the real source of a person's struggle. You can pull the curtain, but the unknown or unacknowledged terror behind it remains. In other words, 
Had Mia been clean as a bell, the young adults at the cabin still would have faced deadly manifestations of sadistic Sumerian specters. <laughs> you can cure an addict of addiction, but unless you have a plan for treating the beast behind the curtain, it's a fruitless battle. Mm-hmm. Addiction is never the problem in and of itself. It's a shield for even darker demons, unquote. And that's John Millison from yeah. his article. It's not until like her and her brother kind of come to terms with each other at the end and he finally sacrifices himself for her Mm -hmm. that it all kind of clears up. Yeah. Well, because she's holding all of that, like the abandonment issues and stuff like that and having to go through all of this alone. She's holding that inside and she's so bitter about it that finally when it's released and when she can be done with it, it's like that's when all of the evil is defeated. Yeah, absolutely. Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee. We wouldn't be able to create such great content without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is, is that each batch of coffee is locally, artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum! Ooh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) So guys, head on over to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today. Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So drink coffee, shoot lightning. Now back to the show. So, Abby, you have in here, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the tree scene. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, it's definitely an attention grabber and it's so shocking, but it's, it's done in such a way that like you really connect with the character. So we talk a lot about in the podcast how like sort of sexual assault scenes can sometimes be unnecessary, but this... This was different because it shows that Mia's body is not her own and she doesn't have freedom of choice anymore. You know, her friends kind of come together and say, we're not going to let you leave this cabin until you're completely clean. And they talk to each other and say, like, you know, she's going to try everything she can to get away because she doesn't want to go through with it and stuff like that. But Mia knows that she is in imminent danger and she can't leave. She literally cannot leave because whatever this thing is that's inside of her is keeping her tied to the cabin. Elizabeth Parker said in her review of the 2013 Evil Dead, she said, quote, there was some discussion during pre-production as to whether this scene was entirely necessary, but in the end, it was deemed essential to the remake. Mm-hmm. Indeed, at the 2012 New York Comic Con, fans were described as rabid in their enthusiasm upon hearing of its inclusion, unquote. That is insanity to me. That's insane. It's insane because the first one is there for shock value. It's not necessarily the reason why she is possessed, but it is the reason why she's possessed in this film. Right. 
So it does make sense for it to be there because they made it make sense. Right. So they kept it, I guess, for fans who like that kind of stuff. It is iconic, but it is very controversial. Yeah. I mean, it's something that you uh, had never been done before, obviously. Like, I can't think of any other movie, literally, where someone is sexually assaulted by a tree. (laughs) So it's... No, I know. Exactly. You're right. It's iconic in that sense. It's unnecessary, and it is there for shock value. But uh, in this film, they do try to make it... Makes sense, I guess. Makes sense. Yeah. Which I applaud them for because I feel really weird saying that, but yeah, me too. It kind of worked, I guess, in yeah. that sense. But I think that if you have to put a scene like that in a film, there has to be justification for it. Like you can't just randomly throw it in there and be like, "Oh yeah, this happened." Exactly. Like, yeah, they no, actually no, no. make it seem like. It justifies it, I think, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Elizabeth Parker goes on to say in her review, quote, she is endowed with an agency denied to the putative heroine of the original film. They're in transforming the narrative into one of rape revenge. Mm. This reimagining of the molestation, although arguably more explicit, is in fact made less gratuitous. Yeah. The woman goes on not only to survive, but to enact revenge. That's the other thing, too. The character in the original Evil Dead does not go on to survive. She is killed. Yeah. This is actually kind of interesting because Nightmare Maven, who is a YouTuber, and she has this great channel. Uh, I'll link her channel in the show notes. And she talked about in her movie review of Revenge, how, you know, this was sort of like just another rape revenge movie, and... I remember her saying something like, um, somebody tell me about a rape revenge movie that is just even just a little bit different than what we've seen before. I wonder if this is a good example. It removes men from the equation. Yes, it does. Because it's not a male enacting it on another female. It's the the act itself of being invaded by something that you don't want. This entity is her. Yeah. And it looks like her, right? Is that Jane mm-hmm. Levy? I'm pretty sure, yeah. In the tree scene? Mm-hmm. It's actually a very interesting choice to have that actress play the demon. Yeah. Also, it's interesting that it was done via sexual assault instead of actually having it like they could have just as easily shown the branch like going through her mouth, like down her throat inside of her instead. Yeah, they could have changed it in that sense. But I think that to make it a little bit more extreme and hell-like, it's like it's your like your darkest imaginings of what hell is. So maybe that has something to do with it too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Guys, let us know what you think about this new scene and how it compares to the old one in the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. It's super controversial. Mm -hmm. But I think it's worth talking about. Yeah. According to the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape, PCAR, people who commit sexual violence often target individuals who lack power in the community, such as people with addictions and Mm -hmm. women. Someone may have used or abused substances before an assault occurred or started using substances as a way to deal with an assault. Mm -hmm. Substance abuse and sexual victimization are both viewed negatively in the community 
And when a victim slash survivor holds both, the shame can be especially difficult to overcome. These feelings can compound to the challenges of the healing process and increase feelings of blame, shame, and isolation. That sort of connects to what you said earlier about her body not being her own and nobody believing her after she's like, I was attacked in the woods. And they're like, yeah, sure you were. Mm -hmm. You're just a drug addict. And it's like, wow. It's actually really sad because because she has the stigma against her with her friends, they treat her like she's second class almost. And I think the film does a great job at assigning each character to maybe a different aspect in society. Like you have Olivia, who is the RN, and she's got kind of an ego about her that's like, I know what I'm talking about and I know what she's going through, even though she hasn't experienced it firsthand, maybe. And then you have her brother and his girlfriend who just want the best for Mia. And they're like, I don't really know how to help, but this is what we're going to do. This is the best I can do. And then there's Eric, who is just like very matter of fact, like this is how it is. This is how it's going to go. So I think there's a little of that in everyone and all parts of society when it comes to addressing the issue of drug addiction so I really I agree with that I think that's a that's a great observation you feel hopeless for her because you just want to scream at the others they're like no she's telling the truth and then you kind of feel like well how have I treated people who have gone through drug addiction and withdrawal Mm -hmm. in the past like what can I do to be a better understanding of these of what these people are going through yeah and it's all about treating people equally and with respect. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that because they just don't believe her. Yeah. And it's also about like being taken seriously. Like for some reason, people think that because of addiction, you shouldn't take this person seriously because they are liars or they're manipulative or they're just trying to get their way. Like it's not always the case. They're actually crying for help. Right. And again, like we talked about earlier, it's like people don't just wake up one day and decide to become addicted. There's something going on and they need help and they just want to feel safe and in control, just like any of us do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so to treat somebody with a drug addiction like they're second class or like they're nobodies is uh, is so sad and horrible. But what's really interesting is that it doesn't just affect the person who's addicted. It affects everybody else. Yeah. So even though like these characters can be seen as people in society, they're they're affected by it still. Mm -hmm. Right. So like they still have to fight the demons and they still have to uh, try to stay alive through this other person's hell. Yeah. Like, they're all on the same journey. And just like in this movie, they all become possessed at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, David doesn't. Right. But he does die trying to protect his sister. Yeah. And again, it this, you know, Millicent said it doesn't have to, she doesn't have to be addicted to drugs. There's just something underlining that's really horrif- horrifying that hasn't come to light yet. Yeah. And the drugs are just sort of a cover up of that. Yeah, it's exactly. really actual Sumerian demons. Yeah, <laughs> aka the death of her mother. Yeah, and her brother abandoning her. Mm-hmm. Okay, Abby, what do you think about the females in this? Um, well, 
one, I think they're freaking great. It is exciting that you, you're seeing more and more like females in horror who have actual like backstories and backgrounds. They're not just a filler character. Even though these characters could arguably be filler, yeah. they do have a role, mm-hmm. which is nice. Yeah. Even if it's a very surface level role. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just we're going to college. Well, also, <laughs> David's girlfriend was kind of interesting. Um, I kind of feel like her character, we, like, we could, totally could have gone without her character. I agree. Because, um, I don't know, she was just kind of there. And the few yeah. lines that she did have were just kind of like, oh, I'm so scared and I don't know what to do. But she does have a great scene where she cuts off her arm, though. That is true. And she does make a pretty great demon or deadite, I guess. Yes, deadite. That's what they're called. Yes. I should have been saying that. Oh, no. It's okay. Whatever. Mm, well, hmm. <laughs> I'm judging you. <laughs> no. But, um, no, I really enjoyed... Mia's character as well. I thought Jane Levy did a great job with her. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in Olivia's character because she is the only person in the film who is a person of color. And she, while she is a super strong, um, career-driven woman, they kind of... <laughs> no pun intended, like demonize her character a little bit Mm -hmm. because they make her the most disliked character, I guess. She's also the first to die. That really, really, really bothered me. You know what is so surprising? And we did talk about this in our As Above, So Below episode. And I'm sure we talked about it since then. I just am remembering it from that one. But like you would think that people would just get it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, why don't people get that that is such, that that's a trope? Yeah, that's a good question. The fact that they make fun of it in Scream 3, which was 2001 or something, mm-hmm. it's just like, my fist is clenched right now and I'm well, shaking it. And I kind of wish that Olivia and David's girlfriend's characters were kind of swapped, if that makes, like, or just don't kill her first. Yeah. Kill Eric Who's the idiot who read the book? (laughs) Who does that? Who finds a skin-covered book and they're like, let me just recite these real quick because... Even though it says in blood in this book, don't say it, don't hear it, don't don't write it, nothing. And I I was like, you're a... You, hmm, I... You're supposed to be intelligent. What happened? He is like... What even is he? He's a high school teacher. Well, that, I don't Okay, know. if you were in a basement filled with dead cats hanging from your ceiling, and you found a book wrapped in garbage bags and barbed wire yeah. made of skin saying, don't read this, I don't care what you believe in, you call the cops. I would definitely <laughs> call the cops as I was pawing through the book. <laughs> Guys, I would. 911? Yes. Um, I found a book made of human flesh <laughs> in my basement. There's also dead cats everywhere. Please come help. And this book has things in it that is telling me not to read it. Well, ma'am, did you read the book? Well, I'm reading it, but I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> okay, ma'am, we suggest you close the book and run. <laughs> the lost 911 tapes of the evil dead cabin. <laughs> That should probably be a podcast. 
to kind of like cycle back. Yeah, the I I love Mia's character, but I thought the other female characters were kind of weak. Yeah, and I thought the male characters were too. I thought Jane Levy's character Mia was probably the the most fleshed out one. Yeah, I mean, and she is the final girl, and normally the final girl does have a better story than mm-hmm. anyone else in a horror film. That's just how it is. That's the trope that has just continued on for forever. Yeah, but I I still think this film. Is works in so many really good ways. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty much my only complaint about the film is just I wish that there was a little bit more depth to the characters. But even still, I thought for the most part, they were pretty believable. They were decent. I've seen worse and we've reviewed movies with worse minor characters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this one is actually pretty decent. Okay, so final thought. Yes. (laughs) Who or what is the abomination at the end of the film? So it's a reflection of Mia. Mm -hmm. You said it could be the stuff inside us us that we'd like to exercise out of ourselves. Yeah. Could you maybe expand on that? Well, everybody has inner demons. You know what I mean? It might not be as serious as drug addiction, but... You know, I know that many people who are close to me, myself included, have gone through like mental health breaks or something like that along those lines. Or like we hold a lot of stuff inside like grief or stress or anxiety. And that can definitely take over your life in a very negative way. So I think that... Right now, as a society, we're really looking for ways to get that out and get it out in the open and really talk about it. So I think that this is a metaphor for for those things. Yeah, I think so, too, especially since it looks a lot like her. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting because her brother buries her and then she comes back. Yeah. It's very spiritual, actually, Mm -hmm. how after the burial... And she's brought back. She's not possessed anymore. And she wakes up and she's alive and everything seems fine with her. Mm-hmm. And it's Eric who, who's possessed and David kills him in order to save Mia. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she has a second chance, like a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you can totally look at it as this part of you that you're trying to kill mm-hmm. and bury and then come back from. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that it follows her, though. Because even though Mm. she's fine, it comes after her and she has to cut it up with a chainsaw. Yeah. So that just shows to me that even though you may have recovered from something, it still lingers around. And Mm -hmm. she will always remember this because she had to cut her arm off. Yes. So even though she's destroyed it, she has this scar that she'll have forever to remind her about what happened to her. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I definitely feel that way. Yeah. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Morning Nancy. Don't forget to check out our merch shop. We've got mugs, sweatshirts, and t-shirts. It's awesome. 
go to goodmorningnancy.com merch and click the shirt icon to be taken to our shop. Yeah, and if you'd like some sweet extra content in your coffee, head over to patreon.com slash goodmorningnancy. And for just a few bucks a month, you can receive some fun extra content like bloopers from our show, new horror movie and trailer reviews, video reviews, and so much more. And don't forget to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It takes just a few minutes to rate and review our show. Follow us on social media, Twitter at goodmorningnan. Facebook at Good Morning Nancy and Instagram at Good Morning Nancy Podcast. Also, tell a friend. Spread the word. We love you all to death. Have a great morning. Bye.